0: Okay, and so, Lord, we thank you for your word, um, which we live on, which is spiritual food for us, and we thank you for it, and we're entering a portion of 1 John, which is a little difficult to interpret, so we pray for the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to interpret it correctly, and uh, we pray that you would be glorified through this so we're in the spring quarter lesson eight the title of the lesson is the benefits of the children of god and the scriptures covered are going to be first john chapter 2 verse 28 through chapter 3 verse 10. and there's four little sections and each section is only two or three verses so john first john Chapter 2, verse 28, I'll just read this. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Okay, so that's our first section, and it's section A, which is called Confidence for the Future. Yeah. So, anyway, this section is entitled Confidence for the Future, but I, I just want to go back because we did have our fellowship breakfast last week, and so we skipped this. And so, chapter most of chapter 2, and I just want to point out a couple of verses in chapter 2 verse 12 it says i am writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake that's a very important verse because 1 john is frequently misinterpreted because people say it's mi- it's written to a mixed audience of believers and unbelievers and that is a false interpretation it is only believers And part of that is verse 12 there, I am writing to you because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, the only way that can happen is if you trust in Jesus. So, I'm just going briefly over last weeks. So then verse 17 says, The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So, and then... A couple of other verses from last week. Verse 23, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So if you say, I believe in God the Father, but do not believe in God the Son, which is the state of most of the Jews today, you do not have the Father either. Because the Father can only be accessed through the Son. Mm -hmm. And then, so, I want you to notice a certain word in here, and that word is abide. So back to verse 28, to our own lesson now. It says, Now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him at his coming. So the word abide is the Greek word meno. Meno, and here it's menete, which means you abide. You abide. So in, in the Greek, they change the first, second, third person by putting uh, suffixes on the end of the word. So this is manete, you abide in him. Now, John uses this word abide very, very often in First John. And uh, that is because First John is written after the gospel of John and listen to what Jesus said about abiding. This was in the upper room. It's the upper room discourse. And if we understand this, then we can interpret 1 John much better. So, John, the Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So that is speaking of your initial salvation when you believe. Abide in me and I in you. Okay, this is after we believe. Jesus says, abide in him. That's a scary verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's answered prayer. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So that is where Jesus is telling the disciples how to live after they've been saved. To abide in him. And if you abide in him, after you're saved. You know, we're all going to stand before Jesus someday, right? We know that. If you have been abiding in him, when that happens, you will not shrink away from him in shame. Now, there are some people who say they take verses from the Olivet Discourse about wailing, gnashing of teeth, being cut in pieces and things like that, and apply that to the believer at the Bema Seat Judgment. That is not what that passage is written to. That passage, the Olivet Discourse, is written to Jews in the Tribulation, and Jesus is telling them, be in faith when I come. Be believing in me when I come. If you're not in faith, you'll be cast into Hades. That's what he's warning them Um, It does not apply to the church, but there are people who teach that. But the Bema Seat Judgment is much like high school graduation. Remember high school graduation? Some people get rewards at high school graduation, the ones that pay attention, that work hard, you know, and do these things. You know, they get little cords around their necks. Some are valedictorian, salutatorian. Others don't get those things because they haven't worked as hard or haven't cared as much, right? I think that's the best analogy of the Bema Seat Judgment. The Bema Seat Judgment, those who have abided in Christ, have continued to believe in Him and followed His commands, will be rewarded. Others will not. Okay, so that's what that's talking about. And then verse 29, if you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Now this is, John was, Gnosticism was starting to come forth at this time, and he was battling this. Remember, Gnosticism was a philosophy that said that spirit was good, matter was bad. And so because of that, they taught that you could sin with your body, and it didn't matter. You could do whatever you wanted, and it didn't matter. And John is quashing that. So it does matter what you do with your body. And this uh, goes back to James 2. James is a recent one. James 2, verse 20 but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see, that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham received, believed God, excuse me, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So the book of James and the book of 1 John are teaching the same thing, to continue in faith after you believe. That is how you become useful to God, um, because you can be saved and go to heaven and be totally useless to God on the earth during your life if you don't abide. Okay, so we'll go on to the next section, which is purity in the present. somebody want to read that? It's just verses 1 through 3 of chapter 3. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, little little chunks of Scripture today. So, yeah, verse 1, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. Now, a lot of people say all people are children of God, don't they? Is that true? That is not true according to this. The only way to be a children of God, and we are children of God by adoption. Okay, just like I have some children by adoption. They are Nirenes by adoption. They were not originally Nirenes. And um, that happens when you put your faith in the only begotten Son of God, the monogamous Now, every person born is an image-bearer of God. You can say that. Every single person is an image-bearer of God, which is an awesome honor. But it's not the same as being a child of God. A child of God, by definition, is going to heaven, okay? Because they have been born into the family of God. Uh, you can be an image-bearer of God and go to hell. So yeah, a child of God, by definition, has the indwelling Holy Spirit in the church age. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So the world cannot recognize that we are children of God when they look at us, can they? We look like everybody else. The only way they can tell is if we abide. If we abide in Christ, they can see. They act oddly. They act odd, (laughs) you know? They don't act like uh, normal people, and that's a progressive thing. Um, As we mature, we act more and more like Jesus Christ, and that is our goal. So verse 2 is a cool verse. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not as yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So it has not yet appeared. Why, why has it not yet appeared what we will be? Yeah, we, we haven't been resurrected. When at the rapture, we're resurrected. And uh, then it will appear what we will be. For example, I wonder, you know, what will our apparent age be? when we're resurrected. I don't think we'll be resurrected as a baby. I don't think we'll be resurrected as a 70-year-old person. I personally think we'll be resurrected in our 20s. <laughs> but I don't know that. I don't know. You know. So, you know, young adult, I would think we would be resurrected as a young adult and we would then not age for eternity after that. That's my presumption, and that is just a presumption. I don't know. And that's why he says, it has not appeared yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. And that will be very cool. We will see him just as he is. And this is a motive for verse 3. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the teaching of the eschatology, the teaching of the end, is a motivator for abiding in Christ because we don't know when it'll happen. I think it seems like it'll happen soon because all of the things are being arranged for the tribulation period. You know, I saw a clip of our president, Joe Biden, talking about we're at an inflection point, he said. The old way needs to change, a new world order is coming. Yes. And we need to be leading on it. That's what he said. And that is right out of the World Economic Forum, right from the globalists. And that is what they're doing. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. Why do I say that? You know, there there are people who say, Oh, we just have to get Trump back. We'll have a great revival. America will turn back and everything will be fine. Um, I do not see that happening. And uh, because it seems like every day things are getting more and more aligned for the tribulation. We see the Gog-Magog war coming. (coughs) You know, Russia... Persia, which is Iran, cooperating and and being antagonistic to Israel, you know. And Ezekiel 38 and 39 predicts they will come against Israel with a whole bunch of other nations. And they will be defeated by God himself when that happens. But they're getting ready for it now. And then this whole globalist thing. President Biden also wrote an executive order for a digital currency which is like cryptocurrency only through the Federal Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And there's nothing we can do about it. Okay, it's, it's coming. Why? Because the Bible says it's coming. The only thing we can do about it is abide. That's what we can do. Because, um, you know, and tell people, warn people, because I don't think there's a greater motivator <laughs> To believe in Jesus and to see this stuff coming. Talk about frightening. Um, okay, so where were we? Oh, yeah. We want to purify ourselves. We want to purify ourselves. And how do we do that? We do that by abiding in Jesus. We read the word. He He gives us certain commands. We say, okay, we'll do that. you know, And we don't worry about it. 'Cause remember he said, do not be afraid, over and over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. And he'll protect us, I'm sure, until the rapture. And then all hell will break loose. <laughs> because it's getting ready. It's getting ready, you know. I, I saw that something it's called Central Bank Digital Currency, C B D C and they might have it ready within six months. I don't know how it'll roll out. I don't know how it'll roll out. Um, You know, they, they can't do this through the regular means. It has to be through an emergency, like COVID. Look at the things that have happened because of COVID, an emergency. Because people will not tolerate it if they try to do it through regular means. It has to be through some kind of emergency. And there will be an emergency, I'm sure. I don't know what it will be. But, okay, so we want to, we want to be, when the, all this comes down, we want to be abiding. Because when we stand before Jesus, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, so section C, freedom from sins past, that's four through six. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. He who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now that's a challenging verse, isn't it? Have we ever sinned since we've been saved? Yes, and you know, sometimes, multiple times in a day, we do. So this this is one of those uh, challenging verses. Another very challenging verse is three and nine, which we'll get to. But it says, "No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God." That's a very absolute statement, and this is one of the things that people use to take away the assurance of salvation. Okay, so we want to deal with that. So lordship salvation proponents, some of them are John MacArthur is one, John Piper is one. Um, those are the probably the most famous. Uh, there are many others. But what they say, they have they teach a calvinism that says that if you do not persist in good works to the end of your life then you are not really a christian the puritans believe this the puritans who came and started the country and so if you read some of the puritans writings at the you know they they are in in terror that they're going to hell you know, Puritan preachers. So that is not how the Lord meant it to be, you know. It it says very clearly, for example, John 10, verses 28 and 29. I don't know how you can say it any stronger than this. Okay, it starts back in 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, they follow me, and I I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So what he's saying is once you believe, in that moment you have eternal life. Life is not eternal if it can be taken away again, is it? And he's also saying no one can take you out of Jesus' hand And also the Father's hand, you're in Jesus' hand and the Father's hand, and no one, including yourself, can take you out of their hands. That is assurance of salvation, and that is what we have. So anyway, the Lordship salvation proponents interpret this verse to be a continuing pattern of sin after trusting Christ. So then they will deny assurance. Because they know, practically, everybody knows practically, that after you're a believer, you still sin sometimes. You still sin. Everybody knows this, you know, because everybody experiences it. So they say that no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or known him. And so I think the... Gosh, my... Uh, We're in 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 6. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6. So so, um, back in verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. We spoke about this already. The Gnostics would say that what you do with your body does not matter. And John corrects that. Sin is lawlessness. and. It does start in the mind, yes. And that's why the Lord tells us to renew our minds in Romans 12. so, <clears throat> And we can see the results in society. When DAs refuse to prosecute crime, crime spreads. And sin kills. So lawlessness kills. And so I want to refer back to John 8 go back to the Gospel of John. John seems to rely a lot in this letter on his Gospel. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Sin is very addictive, isn't it? And it it tends to get bigger as you give heed to it. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That is the only way to be free from sin, is trust in Jesus. So verse 5, you know that he appeared, Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. There are some people who say that Jesus was not sinless. And those people, I don't know what Bible they're reading, because Jesus himself proclaimed he was sinless. He said to his enemies, the Pharisees, can anyone of you accuse me of sin? So he opened himself up to his enemies, and if there was something to find, they would have found it, but they could not find it, you know? and in hebrews it also says he is you know he was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin so jesus is the perfect sinless sacrifice for us and there is no sin in him so then verse 6 no one who abides in him sins no one who sins has seen him or known him okay now how would you interpret that no one, this, this, that's a hard question. People have struggled with this for a long time. Theologians have struggled with this for a long time. Um, I think it goes back to, and I read a little booklet about this that Dane gave me, which is very helpful. It's written by a guy named Dennis Roxer. And it goes to the, the concept of abiding, abiding in Jesus while you were abiding in jesus what is happening yeah well while, while you're abiding for example you see something in the bible he tells you to do something you say okay i will do that because you say so that's abiding now while you're abiding are you going to sin yeah no i i think you cannot sin while you're abiding Oh. Okay. as you abide in christ You cannot sin. Why? Because you are under the control of your new nature and the Holy Spirit. The new nature is guiding you. The new nature says, okay, because you say so, I will do as you ask. Or I will not do as you ask. I will be obedient to you. While you are obedient to Christ, you are not going to sin. Because Christ does not ask you to sin. Does he? He asks you not to sin. So I think that is the key to these. Very, these are very absolute passages. So the Lordship Salvation people would say, well, it means that you're not sinning very much. Okay, well, how much is very much? You know, how many times do you have to commit adultery before you're an adulterer? How many times do you have to lie before you're a liar? You know, There's no definition as to how much is too much. And so it's they're absolute statements, which makes them very difficult. So, um, as you abide, and Paul says the same things in Galatians. So in Galatians, verse five, I mean chapter five and verse sixteen, Galatians chapter five verse sixteen, Paul says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit." and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Okay? So as you walk by the Spirit, you cannot sin. You cannot carry out the desire of the flesh. And it says, For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So they are mutually exclusive. If you are abiding which it, the same thing as walking in the Spirit, you are in a position where you cannot sin. You can sin when you take your mind and go back to your old nature. Okay, then you're not abiding anymore. Then you're not abiding anymore. And that's why we need to train our mind. Yeah, Galatians 5, verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then it goes to talk of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, so if you're abiding, that is what is flowing from you, those things, the fruit of the Spirit. And you cannot sin. You sin when your mind goes back. Okay when you get drawn with something, you know, everybody has a sin they like that is pleasurable to them. And part of maturity, part of maturing in Christ is learning to abide more continuously. So another thing about abiding, this is why, you know, following the Lord after you believe is so important because your life becomes so much richer than if you stay in your sin nature which is possible. It's possible to stay in your sin nature. So John fourteen twenty one says, He who has my commandments and keeps them. Okay, that is abiding. When you hear Jesus' commandments and you keep them. He's the one who loves me. That's how you show love to God. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So when you're abiding in Christ, you can see him. You can experience him. He discloses himself to you. And many times, most times, it's it can be through feelings, you know. You just feel, He helps you feel nice. <laughs> you feel good. It can be through answered prayer. I think most often it's through answered prayer, you know. Just like happened with Chrissy. Prayed for her. Immediately, her surgery has moved up. And she's like, what? So she called me back. (laughs) You know, that's Jesus disclosing himself, things like that. Okay, so I think that's the key to these absolute statements is they are true when you're abiding. They're true when you're abiding. And we don't abide 100% of the time because we still have a struggle with our sin nature, which will never go away totally. It can get better as we progress with Christ. It can get better, but it doesn't ever go away totally until the flesh is removed from us, and that's at death or the resurrection. So D, the provision for righteous living, that's uh, 7 through 10, and I can read that one, uh, 7 through 10. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Yea, no one who is born of God practices sin because his sin—I'm sorry, let me say that again. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So verse 7, again, is against Gnostic teaching, Gnostic teaching says that some higher knowledge gives you righteousness. That is not true. Righteousness comes through obeying the commands of the Lord. That is what causes practical righteousness. That does not save you, by the way. What saves you is belief in Jesus. That is what saves you. But practical righteousness or abiding in Christ is how the Lord uses you in the world for his purposes it's what it's how you earn reward which the lord wants you to earn and it is how the uh, your authority in the coming millennial kingdom is determined you know how well you abide that is how jesus decides okay what position am i going to give you in the millennial kingdom we will be government workers in the millennial kingdom. But it won't be like working for this government. It'll be a totally righteous government. And the Lord will give us tasks to do in that government. And uh, so we will be ruling over, it'll be a weird time, because the resurrected people will be ruling over the immortals. So there will be immortals and mortals together. Will that be weird or what? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not taught much. Even in uh, most churches, they don't teach that because they don't teach prophecy. Yeah, in the millennial kingdom, because the rapture will take place before the tribulation. So church age saints will be resurrected into bodies that will not die. Okay. And then we'll be in heaven for seven years. And we will come back when Jesus returns with him, because we'll be his bride. We'll be his wife at that time. Marriage of the Lamb occurs in heaven. And we will come back with him. He will set up his kingdom on earth, and he will rule it, Christ and his bride, just like Adam and his bride was supposed to rule the earth in the beginning. Now Christ and his bride will rule the earth successfully. And we are his bride. And so the people in the administration of King Jesus will be immortal because we we'll be have been resurrected. But those that we're ruling over will be mortal because those are the survivors of the tribulation period. Because at the setting up of the millennial kingdom, Jesus will judge those still living on the earth. Those who believe in him go into the Millennial Kingdom, both Jew and Gentile. Those who do not believe are executed and go into Hades. So the Millennial Kingdom starts with all believers. And then unbelievers are developed as the mortals have children because each person has to decide, am I going to trust in Jesus or not? Now, they'll have benefit because he will be on the throne. In Jerusalem, he will be ruling, and it will be paradise. It will be paradise. So they will have an advantage to us, but there are some who will not believe. And you know that at the end of chapter 20 of Revelation, at the end of 1,000 years of perfect paradise on earth, there will be a rebellion when Satan is released of the unsaved the unsaved Satan will be able to deceive them. They'll come against the Lord and he'll say, yeah, okay. And then, <laughs> that'd be it. You know, it won't be a battle. When Jesus fights, there's no battle. He just, he just wipes you out. You know, so it's, you know, to fight against God is so stupid because it cannot be done. But we try to do it. We try to do it. So, anyway. So, yeah, at that time there will be Immortals, and you will be one of them. Does not give you tingles. And mortals. And you will have a task. The Lord will give you a task to do. Job, you know. So verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil... So every time someone sins, including a believer, they're cooperating with the devil, which is a very sobering thought. So believers can do this. And Peter, the apostle Peter, did this. And Caesarea Philippi, right after Jesus asked, who do you think I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, well then, you didn't get this from man. This came from the Father. And right after that, Jesus started talking about his crucifixion, and Peter took him aside and said, You're not, that's not going to happen to you, Lord. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Okay, so Peter was used by Satan at that time. Another time Peter was used by Satan was in Galatians 2. Peter was being a hypocrite because he was withdrawing from the Gentiles. Gentile believers, Um, because, you know, he was allowing his prejudice to come through, and Paul had to rebuke him in public for doing that, for being a hypocrite. So there he was being used by Satan. Ananias and Sapphira were believers, and they lied about their donation. They sold some land. They gave part of it to Peter and the apostles, and they told them they gave all of it. And they died on the spot. They were believers. And why do I say they were believers? Because the whole church was afraid. So all the other believers were afraid when these believers died for lying. So, um, And then the, the Corinthian church, remember at the uh, Lord's Supper, the Corinthians are getting drunk, they're not waiting, and uh, Paul says some of you have become sick, and some of you have fallen asleep, which means they died. So they were sin and sin, and the Lord disciplined them with physical death. And so believers can be used by the devil to do his will, if you do not abide. If you abide, that can't happen while you're abiding. So the walk of spiritual growth through discipleship decreases. These falls back into cooperation with the sin nature. And that is what we want. We want to cooperate with the Lord so that he can fully mature us. And we do that by the same, what we're doing here now, by learning from his word and agreeing with his word and following it. So, Ephesians 4, 13 and 14 says, This is Jesus giving gifts of pastors and teachers to the church until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. That's what we want. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. See, the more mature you become, the less you are going to be influenced by false teachers. So and we don't want to be influenced by false teachers. And there's a lot of there's a lot of them out there. So, verse 9, No one who is born of God practices sin because the seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And I think we've covered that enough. While you're abiding and under the control of the Holy Spirit, you cannot sin. As soon as you turn away from that, you are open to it. And verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Didn't Jesus say, you will know them by their fruits? So this is how you become useful to God. Just like Abraham was useful to God when he was willing to offer his son Isaac on the altar. The people around there who saw that thought, man, you're serious about this. And that's what we want people to see about us. You know, we're serious. So if we don't walk with the Spirit after our justification, which is the point in time when we believed... We, will not be, we are justified before God, but we will not be justified before men. And our faith is useless other than to take us to heaven. It will take us to heaven where we will not be rewarded, but we will be in heaven. And so that's very good, to be in heaven. And so I think the analogy of the graduation ceremony is very good because everybody's happy, aren't they, when you graduate? But some are rewarded. More than others, and uh, and you know, I don't know about you, but I want to be uh, useful to the Lord in the world. I want to affect other people. I want them to <laughs> have what I have. So, anything else about that? Okay, well, Lord, we thank you for your Word, and we pray you would help us to abide in you, that we won't sin. In Jesus' name, Amen.